Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We're walking through the pages of the prophecy of Isaiah and uh, time and time again you're you're sh- showing how these verses can speak to us today as much as they did to Israel when they were first written. Yes, because the word of God is living and active, uh, we read in Scripture. It's alive. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. These are not dead words in a dead book. They're living words in a book that comes alive for us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So uh, in chapter 57 of Isaiah, we have uh, a word that the Holy Spirit often uses when speaking to those in leadership in the church. Build up, build up, prepare the road, remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. You know, um, leaders can be an obstacle, actually, to the purposes of God. Or they can be those who remove the obstacles out of the way of his people so that they're free to walk in the way that the Lord wants them to go, to move forward in the plans and purposes that God has for that congregation at that particular time. And that verse, verse 14, is followed by other verses which really are key verses for us to understand the nature of personal revival. And the Holy Spirit of God will often use uh, this verse when people are earnestly seeking after God, when they are praying, because really we shouldn't pray for revival, we should only pray to be revived. Uh, and when, when um, people are really praying for the revival activity of the Holy Spirit to impact their lives. Verse 15 says this, For this is what the High and Lofty One says, He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. You see, here is spiritual truth that applied to Israel then, to God's people now, that can be taken personally, can be taken corporately, because it is eternal truth. You know, the word of God will endure forever. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away, says the Lord. Now, we've already seen this week how much greater and mightier and higher God is and his words are and his understanding are from our finite minds. But here is this key, key revelation. I live in a high and holy place. Well, he does in heaven, doesn't he? Living and reigning in the glory. But also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. What does that mean? It means with the humble, with those who are really concerned to cut out of their lives those things are not the will of God and to embrace what is the will of God. So he dwells with the contrite and lowly in spirit. Why? To revive the spirit of the lowly, of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite, the one who really desires the word of God. And, and you know, this, this is an absolutely key promise from God. It is a great promise, isn't it? That if you seek after God with all your heart, you will find him. That's what Jesus said. Those who seek, find 
And this isn't talking about looking for God, uh, you know, as if, as if you've lost him, but of seeking to come to a new place in God, of seeking to come into a place where the Holy Spirit can have a fresh impact on your life, can do a new thing within you. And the following verse actually is wonderful. I will not accuse forever, nor will I always be angry, for then the spirit of man would grow faint before me, the breath of man that I have created. Because sometimes, you know, when we do need to come back to God with a fresh repentance and really to seek him in a new way, we, we sense that God has been in some sense displeased with us, that, um, you know, we, we have forsaken his ways or we have not really been following him with the full devotion, with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength in the way that um, he commands us. So, you know, God wants us to know, well, he's not accusing us, he's not being angry, but the Holy Spirit is bringing us under conviction in order to restore us to God's purposes and in order to really do a new work by his Spirit in, in our hearts and lives. Yes, this is really a word of encouragement for the Christian who, who really is sorry for something they've done. Is that the true meaning of, of being contrite? Yes, absolutely. And you see in verse 18, there's this promise, I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will guide him and restore comfort to him. And if you know that you've been out of sorts with God for any reason whatsoever, when you come back to him with repentance, God is not only going to forgive you, but he's going to restore you, he's going to heal you, and then he will guide you and strengthen you. That's what it means to be comforted by God, to be strengthened by him. Uh, and he will strengthen you for the future so that you won't make the same mistakes all over again and that you will walk closer to him in the future than you have in the past. There's a real deep meaning hidden in that little word, isn't there? Oh, absolutely, yes. In chapter 58, we come to another very, very important word about fasting. You see, fasting is not just missing meals. It's not giving up food. It's not sort of just giving up something for Lent or sometimes in our church we have a media fast where for a week we don't watch television or radio or anything. You know, we, we just spend the time that we would watching television. We spend the time in prayer and having family life together instead of having family around the television box. It's always a wonderful, wonderful week, and families are greatly enriched by it. But there is the kind of fasting that God has chosen. In, in verse 6 of 58, we see that this fasting is positive. It's not a negative giving up of something, but it's positively doing something. Listen to this. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. What wonderful, wonderful promises. Just look at the promises, first of all, in verse 8. Your light will break forth like the dawn. 
You know, sometimes we go through periods where it seems we're walking in darkness or at least in a sort of semi-twilight, but somehow God can bring us out into the full revelation of his light. And so, you know, your light will then break forth like the dawn. That light will break forth in you, and then, of course, it will be expressed through your life. And your healing will quickly appear. This passage here is actually linked to healing and therefore is a wonderful scripture if you are sick and in need of healing to take very seriously. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You know, you will walk in right ways with God. The Lord will be with you to guard you. And then there's this wonderful promise about answered prayer. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. Wonderful. You know, you're going to get ready answers to prayer. But all this is linked to what has gone before. And therefore, we have to take what God calls the fast that he has chosen seriously. What is that? To loose the chains of injustice, to see other people set free, to see the oppressed free and the yokes of, in other words, to do whatever we can in prayer, in serving, in loving, in caring for those that are oppressed, for those that are in bondage. It is to share your food with the hungry. What does Jesus teach us? The measure you give is the measure you get back. Yes, you might give uh, food to the hungry and shelter to the poor and clothe the naked. And what does God give back to you? Your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Uh, you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. It's not that you can earn the grace of God or the purposes of God because we know that he does work by grace and grace is what God gives to those who deserve nothing. It's that when we give and when we obey the Lord, we bring ourselves into that place, into that position where spiritually we are able to receive from God. It sort of opens up our heart and opens up our lives to be able to receive from him. And then we need to take the following um, verses seriously. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. You see here, the same principle. God says if we do certain things, then if you like the reward, the, the outcome of doing those things will just be amazing blessing. What does he tell us to do? To stop oppressing other people. Don't point the finger and accuse them. Don't speak maliciously about them. If you give to feed the hungry and satisfy the needs of people that are oppressed around the world, then these great promises, your light will rise in the darkness, your night will become like the noonday, the Lord will guide you always, he will satisfy your needs, he will strengthen you, you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Amazing. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 